Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to Formula for Success. And this is the second episode of our Damon Hill interview. So good the first time we needed him for part two. I hope you enjoy. I think for our listeners that don't know the entire story, because they'll they'll know if they're fans of motor racing that you're a world champion, but we've touched on it was a an unusual route to the point where you got your opportunity. That you mentioned Mark Blundell giving you the the heads up that there was a test drive. That test drive, you've done sufficiently well to show that you should be given an opportunity to be a rookie driver mm. in a world championship team. Yeah. That was very unusual for that era of I mean, the sport. I mean, it's like being drafted into a to Red Bull. Maybe that's not a good analogy because everyone knows if you're drafted into Red Bull, you're up against Max Verstappen, <laughs> which is not perhaps the best thing to happen. But um, it was, I mean, literally my, I was test driver for Nigel. He won the championship in 92. And I then had Alan Prost as my teammate. And then I had Ayrton Senna. And then I had you, and then I had Nigel Mansell again. There's a bit of a gap uh, you know, to DC, Nigel, come on. No, but, not, but DC started as a test driver. So, yeah. oh. so the chances of coming in at that point, you know, actually being in the right place at the right time in history, rewinding to what I was saying before, I was out of a job in 89. I was completely washed up and had no hope. So it was a really sudden change into being in a position where I could lead Grand Prix, be in a position, well, be in a car that could lead Grand Prix and even win championships. So um, just phenomenal. That was nothing to do with me. That was just simply being in the right place at the right time, which was as some might say, is, a, is an art, but uh, I would say there's a huge degree of luck in that. Yeah. Okay. Well, putting that to one side, because uh, you've got to be in it to win it, and you've got to be there with that 0. 0.000001 yeah. uh, belief. Yeah. And you were, and you get in the car, and then you find yourself in the most traumatic moment, I, I think, that we can probably remember mm. from our racing uh, careers. You, you mentioned that, you know, the terrible crash for Johnny Herbert, but he was able to come back from that where his mm. ankles were hanging off the horrible crash for Martin Donnelly, thankfully survived and came back and is mm. active in motorsport and, you know, but incredible talent. But for the weekend of Emily 94, I'm at Silverstone racing mm. Formula 3000. I'm your test driver. Uh, we've had the shocking events of the Saturday We've had the big crash of Rubens, who was driving That's for Jordan mm. um, that weekend uh, on the Friday, and then the ah, tragic I, loss. I mean, if that was, I'm not really talking to you about that, Eddie, but I mean, you know, that was a that was a hell of a. Uh, I mean, for you, it, it's traumatic if you've got a driver who's you know got hurt. It's 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 the worst worst part of this sport, isn't it? And it's you know, it was. If you talk about that particular weekend, yeah. 
the biggest accident of the three mm. were two fatalities mm. and then Rubens. Mm. And the biggest accident by far mm. was Rubens. Yeah. Because he hit, the, he hit the curb on the way in, the car just took off, yeah. could have gone into the crowd and killed, honestly, dozens yeah. of people. Uh, uh, and he walked away with, uh, he broke his nose and his arm, didn't he? Uh, he broke his arm? I didn't know that. I think it was oh, a wrist or something. He yeah. had a damage, yeah. but yeah. it was his nose, really. So he was out racing. The but as, spect- as chunks go, it was pretty spectacular. Oh, so and I can remember everyone being in shock. I, I just say a that. nice little part on this, because... It, Two days later, we know that Ayrton died. But I was not the first person to the hospital to see Rubens. Mm. As soon as the qualifying, I straightened the car and went to, spoke to Prof Watkins, who said, look, he's actually fine, but please go and see him. He's, I've had to keep him in the hospital. And I went there, and the first person there in his race suit was Ayrton Stano. He was so close to Rubens because Rubens got his drive at Jordan because Ayrton allowed and helped it to happen with a risco and he just wanted somebody from uh, Sao Paulo also in Formula One. He was his young friend who'd been great in karting and Rubens Barrichello was about 21, 20 at that stage. He was a very young driver and uh, the first person there to see him was Ayrton. So, I mean, that, you, just, you just add that to the stress that Ayrton was under throughout the weekend. You know, it yeah, but was he also like, knew. Yeah. Do you think the car, the Benetton car was fully legal? Bit of a segue in the question. <laughs> a bit of a segue. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I mean, the story, the story, um, dear listener, is that definitely there was questions. I mean, Ayrton had not finished in Aida, I think it was, and he stood by the side of the track and he said there was something funny going on. Or he claimed there was something funny, he thought, with the sounds coming out of the Benetton. And latterly in the year, it was, it was, uh, they were put to the test and, and, um, you know, nothing was actually proven. No, they weren't penalised, but I remember a statement from the FIA saying that they found a procedure that could activate a launch system or a traction control system, Mm. but they had no evidence that it had been used during competition, Mm. but the software was within a very obscure set of the push this button, scratch your nose. Electronic box had yeah. a, you know, a mechanism to do it. That sort and, of thing. And so that, that, that went, well, we're jumping ahead, but that, that was definitely, I think, something that um, Ed never spoke to me about it, but he definitely had some doubts about what was I going on. And I think it was, it was uneasy for him to be racing uh, it with the idea that perhaps the people were uh, doing things that could negate the fairness of of his, of his attempts to beat him. Well, I mean, it's it's very volatile, you know, even today. I mean, why was Ayrton pushing so hard? You know, one of the factors may have been, as we talked about, the idea that he was determined to beat, well, he was a racer, so he was determined to beat everyone, but he was determined to beat people if he thought that they weren't um, playing fair. And, you know, and that was, that was part of his story with Alan Prost, you know. He, he, he showed how... Intensely, he felt about fairness, and or in his mind, fairness. So um, that was, you know, he was a very emotional driver. I don't think it's unfair to say that he was. He drove with passion, yeah, um, in in the most extreme way. Best driver you've ever been with, because <laughs> uh, you've been with the greats, haven't you? I have. I mean, they're, they're all different. That's the but thing. That's not I the dis- question I asked. Yeah, no, but how do we? This is we ask ourselves: Who is the best driver? And we measure world championships. But the problem is everyone does it their own way, you know, and they do it in a slightly different way to, to the other person. I always admired the people like Prost and, uh, you know, Stuart and, and Fangio and, and people who didn't take too many risks 
And now I know that people want to see people take risks and there are times to take risks and there's time not to take risks. And, you know, when there was, when there's someone like uh, Gilles Villeneuve, you know, who everyone reveres as an outrageous, but he was, you know, he was scary to watch, you know, and it got him in the end, you know, he got angry, I think is the, is the way of looking at what happened with, with, with um, Gilles. Sure. He might have been right to have been angry because again, you know, this, the emotion, but the emotion cannot get to you. And those, those people had the discipline to use their skill and not let the emotion get the better. Nicky louder, you know, I, I kind of admire those guys. And I definitely went into racing with the view that I was not going to be pressured into doing something stupid, you know, because I'd lost my dad. You know, I know what it was like to lose a, I got four, four kids, you know, I had three, two to start when I started. And so I wasn't going to be pushed into doing something daft. So Damon, at this point then, this is where I find it, Fascinating. I sincerely do. The fact that, you know, you are a very winning driver in Formula One. You've got to be in the right car, but then you've got to execute. And you were up against a new phenomenon at the time um, in, in Formula One and, and yeah. Schumacher. And the victory that stands out in my mind above all else, and I'd be curious to know where it rates for you, because there might be some obscure race where you, you didn't actually win, mm. you rate as your finest. But the rain in Suzuka... Mm. I, I was in the commentary box. I wasn't in that race and I was so happy not to be in that race because yeah. there was cars f whizzing off left, right and centre. And today we know yeah. they wouldn't race in those conditions, but back then it was just, yeah. you you got stuck in. Yeah. Somehow you, you found your way mm. in what would have been considered the sort of Schumacher or the Senna yeah. type things. You were that person. Yeah. How how did you do that whilst you had a wife and children well, and you'd gone through the trauma of losing a teammate? Because there are times when you have to play your ace card. There's times when there's no option if you're in the competition. And I, to keep the championship alive, I had to beat him. It was over otherwise. So I had to put all those things aside. You know, I had to put self-preservation to one side. You know, I read something, it was something very interesting I hadn't heard before from Sterling Moss. I think it was asking, someone asked him about points, because he could have won the World Championship in 58, I think it was, if he'd got the fastest lap, but he said he never had the courage. Now, that's a very su surprising thing to hear from Sterling Moss, because you always put him down as being courageous, you know, though it had to be courageous to be a racing driver in those days. But he, you know, you had to put yourself at risk at times and he wasn't prepared to do that often enough perhaps to get the fastest laps so that was one of those races where there was no option and um i can honestly say that that was the the peak of my abilities um as a racing driver i never had gone there before uh, to that degree and for that length of time and i never went there again and it was like well I and mean, partly because the circumstances and the story of 94 and the championship showdown and all these things. And partly because it's scary, frankly, you know, because you're just going beyond, way beyond where you feel comfortable. And that is, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, no, absolutely. It never seemed to me that you were someone that was, was trying to prove something to anyone else. And again, you, you, you've got, you know, you've got, you, you live with you, so you'll know how you view what you're trying to do. But surely in that moment, you, you must have reflected or were you so much in, in that battle that you didn't have time to reflect on? That was a drive that matches the greatest drives in the history of the sport. 
That is a that is a fact. There's been a lot. <laughs> There's been a lot. But 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 you you made the point earlier yeah. that we didn't know who who Michael Schumacher was. He wasn't a seven times world champion. Then he'd never won a world championship. He was just someone who was quick, you know. And 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 we thought slightly, you know, pushing the limits in in some ways. And it was unknown territory. And and I was getting a kicking because I wasn't beating him. But you know. Give me a break, Frank. <laughs> you know, give me a break, Patrick. You know, yeah. he was turned out to be, you know, the greatest driver apart from Lewis Hamilton. You know, at the time, he he, he won, went on to be the greatest, and so, you know, I was up against him. So uh, you mentioned the drivers I've been up against. I've got a quite a good list. I've never raced against Lewis Hamilton. Oh no, that's not true. In the desert, we had a <laughs> we had a buggy race, and he tipped me over. Oh but really? Anyway, yeah, he still claims it was my fault. But anyway, anyway, so um. I keep hopping to and fro. You you keep talking about Formula One. I want to come back because I, I want to ask Damon, um, could you please tell me where my pair of Crocs that you took from my uh, no, no, sw- no. swimming yeah. pool f- <laughs> in the early 90s? I know where this is. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, yeah. listeners, I must tell you, because Damon has talked about Ollie. Uh, Ollie is the most charming, most gorgeous boy. He's Down syndrome, and you've been fantastic with that charity, Damon. I must applaud you for that. Uh, but Ollie is so easy to love, isn't he? Yeah. He's just a you know, gorgeous boy. Yeah. But anyway, he tell the story because and, he and came to my swimming pool yeah. and he fell in love with my Crocs. Oh, he fell in love with you, Eddie. Oh, you know, because it, that's the <laughs> that's thing. Easy. That's he easy. Can spot, all spot, the time. He can spot a good one at about a thousand paces, you know. So, <laughs> um, and he and he just thought, and he went off on your Crocs. He thought he's a he's a he's a character is not probably the right word. He, he, he loves is a character. And, he's, and we, we took him only the other day, we took him to the 100 years of Disney at Excel. And he he loved it. I mean, he loves Disney, ABBA, The Beatles. Um, who else does he? I'm missing something. I know he loves Austin Powers. Oh my God. You know, he loves Faulty Towers. He, think, he thinks he calls, he calls me Basil Faulty. You know, I mean, so uh, yeah, he has a lot of fun in him and he, he loves really beautiful things so you know and he came to your party and he got your crocs and wandered off on them and, and you've never forgotten it <laughs> i've never forgotten about it either <laughs> you think you know, i must though. remind people because yeah. life expectancy for a down syndrome child mm. um, is usually not that long but mm. uh, ollie is what it's getting 40? it's getting better it's getting much better i mean everyone's life expectancy is getting better so typically people with down syndrome have got poor circulation they have um smaller apertures so small mouth small nose small blood vessels so when you have something like that or small hearts um and so those things can be a problem and so you you know it's a constant battle the trouble is you know, they love ollie loves food you know and and coca-cola and stuff ollie? like that so you have to how old is he? he's 34 now so fantastic yeah. mm. and he is in, he lives in supported living um we have a charity down in guildford with other parents who have uh, children with learning disabilities we do activities so they all have social lives and they have sporting lives and they have learning experiences so they have something to do all day and then we do supportive living as well which means somewhere to live so ollie does not want to live with mum and dad sure you know he, he wants to you know we go we drop him off at his house and we say do you want to come and stay the night I mean, no he wants to go back to his house he, he's, he's having fun he, he's got other buddies in there and yeah so is as normal as possible and as, and as much freedom as possible we afford him. And, um, yeah, so uh, that's, that's been a, a great experience in my life. And he's huge, a huge part of our family, obviously. Um, yeah, and, and taught us. Um, basically, I've watched every Disney film. 
<laughs> so, uh, They're great. Though. I would never That's watch them otherwise. Story, yeah. I mean, David, you should uh, sometime, uh, when possible, it's Ollie you can't believe. I've met I mean, him. I've met Ollie. Oh, yeah, I remember him, him putting his fantastic. hand on my face. And when, when you've not experienced that, I grew up with mental disability in the family. My, my mother's youngest uh, sister, she must be 60 now, but her um, living age, if, if that's what you call it, would be about eight years old. So when I was a kid, she was just a fantastic big aunt to, to hang out mm. because we, we had such wonderful time. And, and you know, we, we worked, <laughs> a, yeah, you can imagine. Yeah. So I'd, I'd grown up in that. in that environment, realizing as I got older that, you know, we're not all the same. Not everyone has the same physical, mental opportunities. And, you know, to be kind, to be kind to, to, to others. I I, and I remember that, that act of kindness of your son, we were at an event and he put his hand on my face. Really? <laughs> And just held it there. And I remember it yeah, just, you know, beautiful. it, it yeah. makes my, my eyes sparkle now because it was a moment of yeah. just him being totally himself. And it's a beautiful thing. He's, he's a lovely, lovely person. And he's indifferent to fame, money. He doesn't care what you, what you do. As a, you know, you could be prime minister. You could be, you know, a person who, you know... Won the Formula One World Championship. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. No, exactly. He he's doesn't, not, he's not doesn't care. Although he calls me Mr. Graham Hill Boy. Does he really? Yeah. So <laughs> he's, he's, he's looked me up on YouTube. Yeah. And he knows this other, there's this other person who's my dad. <laughs> so now I'm Mr. Graham Hillboy. Okay. Well, that's, that's not a, of all the names you could be called, that's not a bad one. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> so in the interest of of getting to the uh, victorious moment that you shared together the victory in yep. spa and you we've eddie has thanked me many many times so you don't have to thank me for we're getting, skipping over my years with dc i see no this <laughs> is the point yeah, we're, getting, uh, we're celebrating your success uh, what i before we go on to that because mm. it's a couple of things in the interim that dc is desperate to get off himself mm. um because DC reckons he should have won every single Grand Prix that he participated in. And I have to remind him that's not quite the case. But mm. then your name came up in the previous podcast. And um, I remember taking time to talk to you, uh, Damon, about DC. And you were massively complimentary about him, which I have told him. And that is that you'd be racing together at Williams and DC had gone up the road. And he, you'd say to you know, he was so quick. But yeah. then after four laps, 
I'd come I'd around crash. the corner and then he was he was <laughs> bur- buried, in the, <laughs> buried <laughs> in the fence. He had it in the bag. Yeah. Well, Adelaide, like, 95. You're too young. To That's why you started too young. Yeah. See, yeah. this is the, the difference. I think I, I they get high you know, on their own supply. No, I actually <laughs> think I didn't have the life experience. Like you had incredible life experience. I don't you think did I, have a life experience. It was just casting and racing. racing. That was yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I really started to sort of figure out mandum, if that's a word, until I was in my 30s. How do you think? you find it already oh yeah I'm definitely you have I'm, it now I've moved on to the next phase <laughs> what's that old man yeah old man exactly never let the old, old man, man in, in folks yes. that is the policy of all of us here well, yeah. you do that very uh, we're well we're beating EG. him back you, we're you beating definitely him back. Yeah. well we uh, keep sport the door closed. is a great way to, to keep the old man out but we this is a fairly unique opportunity, if not totally unique, to have Damon here. So we do have to move along, EJ, skip some of the great stories that you've got and get to the victory in no, Belgium. Yeah. This is amazing. Because that was that yeah. was that phase, Damon, you probably thought mm. you know, your real chance of wins and championships are behind you. Always as a driver believe yeah. there's a chance. But I knew I knew it was coming. I mean, you know, it, I had I had limited time on this planet. <laughs> within racing <laughs> within racing but, and in very yeah. difficult conditions uh, you know Michael even Michael managed to, to crash in that one um, you, you, <laughs> into me into me you did help maybe we should in case you've forgotten I'll bring in the video for you yeah. you had a very significant part in See, that yeah, action yeah, I, I, I did but it was it wasn't because I was he trying was to help David win with you, no, no, I, I mean uh, but <laughs> I still I don't understand it actually you, when you crashed into him in Silverstone as you he mentioned was he, he was fine no, he didn't want to have a punch up no 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 he wanted to have a punch didn't up didn't like me. you he thought you were too good looking maybe well who knows but can we can we please, Damon, take us through the the uh, conversation? Because EJ has embellished the story. Yeah. No, I have not. No. It, oh, God. <laughs> it's, it's a long and complicated story. Let our story. listeners judge. Yeah. Belgium, 98. Yes. I, I've crashed with Michael. Michael's no longer leading the Grand Prix. You forgot to mention you caused the crash. crash. Yes. Again, yes. Well. Well. Anyway, apart from that. He caused I did. Well, 90% listen, if it hadn't, of the Eddie, if it hadn't been for him doing the restart, I would have been about eighth. Because you had a chronic start. A chronic you start. fucked it up completely. I did. But yeah. I thank, praise the Lord, yeah. you know, something intervened. And we Divine were in spare parts. We gave DC. you a new note. Yes. I managed to help. You're, you're He's welcome. He's part of the conspiracy. You are welcome. To help you become a Grand Prix winner. And he had the audacity yeah. to blame Eddie Irvine, who wasn't <laughs> I even near him. I oh, did why not? blame Eddie for the start. Because <laughs> there was so much spree, no that. one really knew what happened. Nobody like, really knew what was going on. I got touched from behind. I think it was Irvine. <laughs> anyway, see, take us, take us yeah. to, you're leading the Grand Prix. You've got your teammate behind you. There's a conversation goes no, on. No, no, no. I was in the Grand Prix. I was way in the lead. I'd out-qualified my teammate by a considerable margin. And then there's a safety car. And I suddenly, you know, Turned because of, because of you, um, but, but, but <laughs> that's why you were basically leading. I'm thinking. Oh no, it's going to be right at me backside now, and I was thinking, this is really not a good situation team wise, and I was waiting for someone to say something, and it never happened. And it you never happened. Never happened. happened. But you realised that no, Ralph you, was five you... seconds a lap quicker no, than he you. No, he wasn't. I wasn't going as fast as Eddie. You he don't go as fast as you you're can you're when you're in the lead. That. When you, you got go the push, to, you were lazy. How far back was he? He had to go five seconds a lap quicker. He's about two minutes behind me. You you were tossing around, gentlemen, stroking down the laps. Who won the Grand Prix? I, I was measuring out. He was he, uh, there was a winner yeah. because certain things conspired to make that happen. 
Well, that's why I asked Eamon the question, yeah, but yeah, you keep interrupting. No, no, it's true. I mean, obviously, lots of things happen in that race, but the fact of the matter is, where did I qualify? Was it third? Third. Yeah, I qualified third. Well, well, hang so on. Then, uh, can I ask you then? I remember. Uh, yeah. Why did you screw up the start so bad? Because we needed DC to crash to make get yeah. rid of all the other competition. But the and second start, no. you led into the first corner. I know. That and was then what That was your best start ever. I was off and running. But how far behind was, was Ralph? Well, I, I different place. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. Look, point is this: when you're leading the race, you go as fast as you need to to stay there. You don't go as fast as you absolutely can because you're not catching anyone up. You don't. You don't see Max. Max could go into the lead about. He could probably beat everyone by two minutes if he wanted to. So you you make sure you keep the the precious thing that you have in your hands, which was your victory, your first ever. Jordan victory. He doesn't seem very appreciative of that, the way he's giving you a hard time. That's very unfair. But anyway, listen. I have said Mm. unbelievable time and time again that Damon, not alone did he give us our first win, but what he gave us was knowledge. We never knew how to win in Formula 1. Eddie, tell them the story about what happened the night before. I have no idea. What did happen? What happened the night before was you wanted me to go to see one of your sponsors and go and do a talk. And I would say, no, we have a job to do. We can win this race. Do you remember the night before, that Saturday that night, and we're sitting in the motorhome, and not motorhome, the truck, and I'm going through the permutations with Dino, and we're sitting there going, no, we're not leaving here until we've, oh, you want me to drag me off and you know take me away from the engineers? And that's not how you win a race. So that's what happened. And so we focused on what we were there to do. And the next day we were ready to, to win the race. And we did. And congratulations, gentlemen. It was, goes down in, in history. And if it wasn't for your brilliant team managing and giving the instructions, but can I just add Sorry. that after the restart... You're qualifying something here. I'm just saying you needed a little bit of a prompt, which I gave you, and then you knew the right thing to do was to say... But in any case, I had it covered because if you remember, Ralph had Jean Lacy behind him and Jean was catching him. So he had to go as fast as he could. So I went as fast as I could and Ralph didn't catch me. So quad era demonstrandum. Hang on, the decision that was sounds made educational. Up. He just no, said something in Latin there. You can't, you, can't, you can't come back. I've just spoken Latin. I, can you? I, I, see, I knew that was Latin. EJ was thinking you, you just were having me a, down as well. You're, you're, you're having just, a stroke. And you're a Catholic. You're a good Catholic boy. You should know can, your can Latin. You, you came to Ireland to become a Catholic. <laughs> God's sake. Could he please just translate that Latin? Because not only is this the largest growing podcast globally, it's also educational. <laughs> yeah. So, what did you say in Latin? And can you tell us the English translation, please? I said, therefore, it explains itself, or something like that. Okay, I'm going right. to be picked up on that one. But is it basically <laughs> something like that? Well, it was a fantastic era and it was a fantastic period. And this has been a fantastic chat. And the terrible thing is, as you can probably hear with the noise building, we've now run past seven o'clock, which is the point at which the warm-up for Amber Rocks, this fantastic charity which is supporting those that are not quite as fortunate as us, has, has started. So I know we could keep going for another hour and I know we've missed out a lot. So, Damon, can I suggest this? Can we reconvene at another point later in the year, beginning mm. of next year, because I think our audience will love this, because well, it, I certainly have loved it. It's Formula One. It's the gift that keeps giving, isn't it? You can, doesn't matter, you can, you can wring it as dry as you think, but there's still more that comes out. It's unbelievable. Well, do you know what it's, is unbelievable? Yeah. Possibly excluding him, but there's at least two old farts here 
who have been able to make a good living mm. and happiness and great, great friends like what we've talked about. Mm. I know a lot about your family, right, going back to the beginning. Mm. You know about my family. We got four kids. You got four. And, and the whole story, just we keep well, saying we've this. We've, we're very yeah. lucky. And we've been on, we've lived... Really, we ran away to live with the circus, you know, to go circus. And work with the circus, didn't we? I mean, David's the same. We, well, we, he's a bit we, posh, isn't he? He's, he's very posh, lives in Monaco. Well, you do. Oh, sorry. Well, anyway. Um, but, but you lived in Ireland, for heaven's sake. I lived Can't in Ireland, yeah, um, Dublin, and I enjoyed my time there. But um, anyway, yes, we've been very lucky, haven't we? You know, I mean, and yeah, my yeah. life, my entire life has been supported by Formula One. My dad was a Formula One driver. So from 1960, he was world champion 62. So, you know... Bless you, Formula One. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, you're here to <laughs> you that. know, it's been it's been very good to our family. Let's hope it continues, guys. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, as I say, we'll need to wrap this up so we can go and uh, EJ can address his adoring audience. I think we should just make one point that uh, this Amber is a big, big charity for me. As you know, Damon, you've been involved in it so many times, as indeed has David. I will be announcing in the next five, ten minutes that we have a new ambassador uh, in Amber, none other than our pals. Mark Webber. Oh, wonderful. Okay, That's yeah, great. no, he'll, 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 you know, he totally gets it. You know, I went, I went down to one of the places, I don't know the yeah, name, the Holmes, remember. Yeah. yeah, and I, and I spoke to the young lads there, mostly, mostly young guys, and, you know, I did. It opened you know, your eyes, doesn't it? I oh mean, my God, David, you just don't, you just can't imagine, you know, it's, like, we're, we've been lucky in life, haven't we? So, you know, you're doing a good thing. It's a great charity, and you do a lot of work for, um, this sort of thing and other charities as well, Eddie. So congratulations oh, to so you. So do you, People, should, people you, should know you that, do. but no, he's raised millions of pounds. He's amazing. Well, it's because he... We don't need to know. talk about the money no, side but of you things. Have. It's just, I get a real kick out of it. Yeah. And actually, will we give a little secret away? The first driver I've ever had, 1990, I signed him, Bertram Gasho. And his 21-year-old daughter mm. will be our first act tonight. He's a lovely guy. I, I, I had the... Great fortune of bumping into him once and, and going back to, to his home in Barcelona. I think he lived in Barcelona. But um, uh, southern Spain. He lived in southern Spain, didn't he? Correct. So, um, you know, and uh, people's stories are incredible. Even if they left Formula One early, they've gone off and done amazing things with their lives. So it's always great to catch up. Well, Damon, thank you very much indeed. Two parts, I think we could do three, four. It'd be like the Rocky movies. There's so many great stories that we've all shared together. Thank you for your time. And thank you to our listeners. And you can remember to follow Formula for Success on Spotify and whenever you listen to podcasts. And you can find us on social media with the handle at F1 for Success. for Success is brought to you in association with F1 Manager 2023, giving you unparalleled control of the chosen F1 team and a brand new mode that allows you to rewrite the season in your terms. <laughs>